John 13, man, oh man, I was, I was meditating on scripture this morning and the first thing that came to my mind was started from the bottom and now we're here. Started from the bottom and my whole team's here. Amen. Y'all need to get saved. <laughs> started from the bottom, but now we're here. We love in America stories of rags to riches. Stories about people who started in humility, in a humble place, in abject poverty. But somehow they, they discovered that, that gadget, they, they discovered that talent that brought them from that low position to a higher position. The mailroom clerk who goes from the mailroom to the boardroom. The kid from the other side of the tracks who now moves to the suburbs. Come on, sounds like almost like a uh, Fresh Prince song or something. Now this is a story all about how... Uh, Ask my wife, she'll rap it for you. We love to hear these stories of people who start from the bottom and get to the top. And, and, and we love to, we, we really, really like it when there's a love story intermingled with it. A story of, of our narcissistic tendencies to only make love about ourselves. The love that we experience, the glory that we experience is so self-centered. It's so about us. It, it, has to, it has to gratify our emotions and our things and our feelings. And what we discover in the scriptures is that if you want to get into the heart of God, if you want to understand how the king of kings and, and the ruler of the entire universe operates, his kingdom is an upside-down kingdom where you touch the sky when your knees hit the ground. Where the only way that you go up is by going down first. The text tells us in John chapter 13, and if you'll read with me, it says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Don't you love it how John's all descriptive? It was Judas Iscariot, Simon's son. Let's, it wasn't the other Judas. It was this Judas. The devil had put it into his heart to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. I just want to park there for a second. Jesus knowing that all things were under him, that all power was his, that all glory was his, knowing that he was going back to be with the Father, knowing that, that Judas, one of his 12, was going to betray him, knowing this with full knowledge that his hour had come and a heart full of love. Text tells us that he rose from supper, verse 4. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, then poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Up until this point, Jesus has had a public ministry. He has done miracles in public 
The crowd has began to follow him. And, and, and in John chapter 12, what Pastor Scott brilliantly exposited last week was that there came a moment where he said, that's it. You need to walk in the light while the light is still here. And from that moment further on, he, he began to hide himself. So now what's happening is that Jesus is no longer teaching the public, but he's teaching his disciples. And so from John chapter 13, for the next five chapters, all you're going to see is is Jesus teaching on what it means to have union with Christ. He teaches on the Holy Spirit. He teaches on prayer. He teaches on sacrifice and love and service. And he begins his teaching with this profound idea that he had loved his own and he loved them to the very end. My first point on serving is this, is that service begins from the heart. Service begins in the heart. Have you ever been around somebody who's who's doing their job, but they're just doing their job because it's their job? How how did it make you feel? It just made you feel like, okay, I'm just a transaction to you. But the type of love that that God gives us in in, in sending his son to service is 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 a type of service that comes from the heart, a heart filled with love. And it says that he loved his own till the end. It doesn't mean to the end of the world, but rather to the fullest, to the uttermost, to the completest moment of love. He loved them all the way through. I was at a coffee shop's. Uh, nearby, I, I won't tell you which coffee shop it was, but um, it, it rhymes with mega bucks <laughs> because they're making mega bucks. Amen. <laughs> and, and I walked in, and, and the person who was serving the coffee to me was like, you know, I, I, they said, "What do you want?" And I was like, "Well, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, on the fence. I want to try the white chocolate mocha, but then you've got the cinnamon dulce latte. What do you suggest?" I'm like, well, listen, listen, John, John. That's your name, right? John, I'm going to make you something really special. You're going to like this. If you like white chocolate mocha, if you like cinnamon dulce latte, I am going to make you a special blend. We'll call it the John. I was like, I don't know how to feel about that, but okay. But, but as he was uh, taking my order, there was, there was this feeling that, that came to me. I was like, you know what? This person does not, does not look at me as a, as a transaction, but they're looking at me as someone they want to have a relationship with. You know, it, it, it struck me that morning that perhaps that Starbucks and that employee was probably the only person who speaks love or in a loving way to someone who may enter the doors of that business. True service is service that comes from the heart. The text says that Jesus, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them till the end. Now, in John chapter 3, you discover that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would, would not perish but have everlasting life. And here it talks about how Jesus loved his own who were in the world. And so what you're seeing is that there's a separation There's the world, and then there's those who are in the world that are his own. These are those who have accepted him and that he has has brought into his circle. These are his disciples that he's no longer hiding himself to. You guys with me so far? So the next few five chapters here are Jesus speaking to his disciples, to his church, to those who are his own. So if you consider yourself a Christian, I want you to lean in 
and get the heartbeat of God of what you're supposed to look like. If you want to, to really experience Jesus, to really know what Jesus is like, these next five verses really, really define him. It says that love, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And there are two ways that he shows his love. He shows his love, number one, in that in the next 15 to 18 hours from this point, he was going to go to the cross. So his love was going to be shown by dying as an innocent being murdered on a cross for his own. And the second way was more immediate in that he was going to show that love, God's love language is giving his son and God's other love language is serving. Serving. Started from the bottom, but now we're here. (laughs) During supper, verse 2, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, and began to wash his disciples' feet. You, you have to catch this. John wants you to understand something. Jesus Loves his disciples. Jesus knows that this is the hour. Jesus knows that in about 15 hours from this point, he was going to be crucified. Jesus knows that he was going to be crucified because Judas, the son of Simon, was going to betray him. Knowing that his disciples were all going to be scattered. They were were all going to abandon him. Knowing all this, he washes their feet. He serves them. Point number two, service takes no account for a return. Service takes no account for a return. I was at the mall the other day, not Tyler Mall, because people in Riverside are friendly. This happened at the Moreno Valley Mall. (laughs) Normally, I like to go and pray for people in Walmart. But on this day, I think Pauline had sent me on an errand. She, says, uh, she said, babe, I, I want you to go to, um, uh, to Moreno Valley Mall and, and buy me some makeup. Now, that's a, like, I was like, I'll, I'll serve my wife. I said, can you send me a picture of what you want me to buy there? So I'm there. I'm like the only dude buying makeup. I'm just kind of looking around like, you know. And I say, I'm looking for this one. And they're like, okay, well, that doesn't match your color. I was like, it's for my wife. <laughs> it's for my wife. Okay, thank you. But as I was walking out of the mall, I, I, I noticed something that was amazing. I was like, I just kind of stood there and I was like, will it be awkward if I like start videotaping this interaction? There was this individual who opened the door for someone to pass through. And the person passes through, walks right by them, and then the person says, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, sir. And the guy turns around and says, yeah, I just opened the door for you. Uh Uh-huh. You're supposed to say thank you. And I stood there. I'm like, wow, this this is, where's my phone? (laughs) Many things can happen in Moreno Valley. (laughs) We often want to do things and receive a return on it. Some sort of token of appreciation that you noticed that I did something for you. 
Jesus, knowing all things, knowing that Judas was about to betray, knowing that the devil had already put it into his heart, he was already uh, calculating and, 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 and working out the scheme to betray Jesus. Jesus unrobes himself, takes on the towel of a servant, and washes his feet. You guys are going to start getting around some Christians, Maurice, and, and, and some strange things are going to happen. You're going to come to relevant church, and, and people are going to be friendly, and you're going to be like, man, this is a great church. I love it here. The people are so nice. The pastor's handsome. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> he makes handsome babies, too. Look at his wife, family. Like, wow, Pauline is lucky. You're going to start serving with people. You're going to start joining a, a small group, and you're going to start to get to know people. And then, and then if you continue growing in relationships in the church and in relationships with other people in the church, you're going to discover that Christians, Christians, people who claim to be Bible-believing Christians have an underbelly, an ugly underbelly. You're going to become friends with them on Facebook and they'll post articles that you don't agree with. You're going to discover that you're on the other side of the Caitlyn Jenner. And there are going to be many points of disagreement. Many points of disapproval. And if you get closer, what you'll discover is that some of those that are closest to you in the house of God will betray you, will betray your confidence. And you're going to come to church and say, mm -mm, I'm not passing out a bulletin to him. Mm -mm. Not Harold. And what I want to share with you is that true service from the heart of God is a service that does not take an account for a return, that does not look for reciprocity when it comes to service. You're, you're not looking for a thank you from your peers. You're not looking for a thank you from your pastor. As a matter of fact, the only person you're serving for is an audience of one. Jesus got on his knees disrobed himself to serve people who are going to betray him, who are going to sell him out for 30 pieces of silver. That's the heart of service. Having loved his own, he loved them completely and served them completely. Are you guys getting something good so far? Next thing we see here is, is, that, is that John does this thing in that like he, it's, it's almost like a, it's, it's fun to, to look at how he writes this. First, he shows that, that, that Jesus loves his own, and then he shows us of one who's going to betray him. Amen? And then he shows us how big and how amazing and majestic Jesus is and says that Jesus not only was majestic and, and, and had all power, but he knew who he was. He knew who he was. 
knowing that all things had been handed to him. In John chapter 12, what we just saw happen is that, is that there was a voice that came to heaven, from heaven saying that I have glorified your name and I'll glorify it again. The people thought it was an earthquake. Knowing all this, he disrobes himself and takes the position of a slave. The, the Jewish rabbis had a thing. Uh, in order for you to become a rabbi, uh, one of the virtues that was, that was uh, very important was for you to, to exercise humility. It was a well-known thing that if you were going to be a rabbi or anybody important, you needed to exercise humility, right? Everybody here can agree that we expect humility from people, right? We, we love humble people. The craziest thing happened to me um, uh, a few days ago. I went to this thing. Uh, I was invited to be a part of it by a small group of people. Literally, I did not know how they got my name. Like, I was like, why am I here? And some of you are about to get really excited. I walk to the place, and around the fire is Taylor Lautner. And I'm like, in, on the inside, I'm like, Team Jacob. <laughs> Team Jacob right here. Oh. But you know, you got to be cool on the outside, you know. On the outside, I'm just kind of like, what, what up, dude? What up? Yep, started from the bottom, now here. <laughs> On the inside, I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I ask him for a selfie together? Like, you know, how do I do, can I, can I ask him to take off his shirt? <laughs> like, <laughs> not for me, okay, not for me. I know some of you ladies are like, you know, like, oh, Team Jacob. But, but when you get around some of those people, you, the, the thing that I often hear from people who rub shoulders with celebrities, like, oh, man, he was so down to earth. He was so humble. He was so just like a real person. Because we love it when people who are elevated and celebrated have a virtue of humility. The rabbis, the Jewish rabbis, believed this, but they also taught that you are to ex exercise the virtue of humility without ever giving up your position. Be humble, but never give up your superior, superiority. Exercise humility, but never come down to the level of the common people. What Jesus does and what John's showing us is that though Jesus is this highly exalted, the, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who, who spoke a word and, and earth appeared and, and sun, moon, stars, and, and started everything into motion, this one who was in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, the word became flesh. This person who embodied all of God gives up his position of superiority and becomes and takes on the identity of a slave. Point number three, service exposes the glory of your true identity. Service exposes the glory of your true identity. Service exposes the glory of your true identity. You're getting that. Jesus rises from the table. John says that he took off his robes and laid them aside, wrapped 
a towel around his waist, took a basin, poured water on the feet of his disciples, and wiped them with the same ta- towel that was wrapped around his waist. Uh, so sometimes I read the Bible, I'm like, God might, might be a woman. It's too many descriptive words here. Because dudes, dudes would just be like, yeah, so Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. End of story. We get the point, right? But, but he goes, Jesus rose from the table, took off his outer garments, took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. Used the same towel to wipe the feet of his disciples. Now, just logically, let's have a conversation here. Could Jesus have washed the feet of his disciples without disrobing himself? Did John even have to let us know how he did it for us to get the point? I think what John wants us to see is, is something deeper. Now, now, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit of, and, and to show you what, what would take place in, in a scenario like this. It was common to their culture that when someone uh, is, is having a dinner party, he is to hire a slave and in a Jewish context, a Gentile slave to wash the feet of the guests. That was the normal way of doing things. And, and if you couldn't hire a slave, then what you were supposed to do is, is the first guest to arrive was, to, was supposed to go and wash the feet of all the other guests. Now, in Luke chapter 22, the same account of the same story, what you'll find is that there was a great debate amongst the disciples as to who was the greatest. They've had this discussion before. But here they are 15 hours before Jesus is about to be crucified, and they're having the same conversation. I'm sure, I'm sure that Jesus in a sanctified way was kind of rolling his eyes like, oh, gosh. Because he, he had gone over this with them. He, has told, he had told them that, like, if you want to be great, you must be a slave to all. And here they are, three and a half years of watching Jesus talk, watching Jesus teach, watching Jesus serve the people, watching Jesus touch the Gentiles and the Jews alike. And the disciples are stuck on the same thing. I think what took place is that they got to the thing, got to the room, and they're looking at each other saying, okay, where's the slave that's going to wash our feet? And like, well, we didn't, I think Peter was supposed to hire the slave. No, he didn't, he didn't get it. He didn't get the slave. And it's Passover. They're all hired out. Call the agency. Okay, I know you know somebody, Bartholomew. And they're going back and forth amongst themselves like, like oh, no, I'm not going to wash your feet. I'm not going to wash, no, I'm not washing. I'm not washing John's feet. Mm-mm. here playing rock, paper, scissors as to who will go first to wash the feet. And then the, the, the debate turns to who's, who's better, who's, who's higher on the totem pole. I, I think that it would have been just fine for the disciples to wash Jesus' feet. If Jesus had said, okay, who wants to wash my feet? They would have been knocking each other down to be the first one to wash Jesus' feet. And the truth is this, is this, is that we are okay with serving someone who we can, who we can look at our peers and say, this is someone who's elevated and celebrated and, and better than us. But when we look at each other, we don't want to have anything to do with each other. We don't want to serve each other. They were unwilling 
to be reduced to the level of a slave and serve one another. And so Jesus is like, all right, dummies. That's how my Lord speaks to me. I am going to show you what my kingdom is all about. He rises up from his seat of honor, takes off his robes that identify who he is, gives up his identity and his position, gives up his seat, and takes on the towel of a slave. I I want you to understand this. Jews were not allowed to do this. Jews were not allowed to, put, to wrap the towel around themselves as the Gentiles did. Jesus takes on the form of a Gentile slave. What's happening in that room is that the disciples are looking at each other and saying, what are we supposed to do with this? This goes against the very fabric of our culture. Jewish rabbis don't do this. Jewish poor people don't do this. wraps it around his waist and one by one begins to wash their feet and wipes them with the same towel. I I know you have a very sanitary view of what their feet may have looked like or maybe what that towel looked like when it was all said and done, but you must understand that they were walking in 2,000 years ago Middle East uh, world where, where when someone uses the bathroom, they don't have plumbing, they throw it out on the streets. So their feet are dirty with all kinds of filth. Jesus Let's go of who he is. Reduces himself to that of a slave and washes their feet. This is nothing more than the gospel, the story of the incarnation lived out. See, see, on the front row here, we have some theologians who will tell you that, you know, uh, the, the incarnation is that he became a man. The word became flesh. He took on our likeness. Philippians 2 verse 5 says, have the mind of Christ, who though he was worshipped in, in the heavens, did not consider his glory and his equality to God as something but he took on the likeness of human flesh and became a servant that he may save. Jesus shows us his love, his devotion, and what true true service looks like by taking on the identity of the lowest of the lowest of the lowest in order to serve his friends. Some of you may be wondering, why does this church exist? Relevant church does not exist to be a consumer club of people who come and receive and receive and receive and leave fat. We are a church that is founded on the principles of washing the feet of the disciples that Jesus sends our way, but also washing the feet of those in our city. 
We are a church that's been sent here to reincarnate ourselves, that even though that we know that we're the children of the king, even though we know that we've been blessed and highly favored and that we're the the head and not the tail, our mission and our call on this planet is nothing more than to disrobe ourselves of every spiritual blessing that God has given us and become the slaves to all men and to serve them with the love that he has loved us with. Service is from the top to the bottom. Reason why we respond this way is because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords did it for us. We saw a video earlier. You know, I have been around church people for quite a while, Larissa. It's, it's, it's funny. You know, some people will tell you these type of testimonies. You know, like I started coming to this church and I, I started off in the parking lot. 20 years ago, I was in the parking lot, but now, but now I'm an evangelist. I started off in, 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 in hospitality, passing out donuts, but now I'm a prayer warrior. I started off just greeting at the door, and then Pastor Jonathan brought me up front to share my testimony, Gus. I'd I'd venture to say, I'd, I'd submit to you that probably the greatest crowns that God's gonna hand out are not gonna go to pastors. It's going to go to people who served in the children's ministry. The absolute best testimonies I have heard have nothing to do with me and my ministry and have everything to do with the fact that someone checked in their kids and allowed them to come and receive the word of God and got saved. And I would say that that person had more to do with ministry than me. I was studying this passage and the whole chapter, and I thought to myself, I was like, it'd be, it'd be really, really, really cool to have a no-serve Sunday. And then I thought again. A no-serve Sunday where, where no one had to serve. And so, and so we got here on Sunday morning and just kind of looked at each other. All of our worship team are nothing more than volunteers who serve. Our set-up and tear-down team, volunteers who've understood that they touch the sky when their knees hit the ground and they serve. Our hospitality team who think that handing a donut to a stranger is not that important. But when you haven't had those calories in the morning, oh my God, sometimes that's like the best gospel. You come to church, oh, praise the Lord, donut. Thank you, Jesus, for keeping me from this temper that was about to come. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to understand that if you come to this church, You're coming to a place 
where the towel of service is honored. And you cannot stay here if you're not willing to get involved. You cannot stay here if you're not willing to get involved. And if you're saying to yourself right now, I will never get involved, please give your seat to someone else. There's plenty of other churches in our city who allow you to get fat on the diet of God's food. But here at Relevant Church, we believe in diet and exercise. Live out what God has spoken to you and serve someone. Get involved. Amen? There are many ways for you to get involved. And next week, we'll probably have some additional signups for you to find some on-ramps to do that. But even today, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those places here where you don't need to have a theological degree to get involved. You know what I mean? You can just say, hey, I just showed up. I'm not even a Christian yet. Guess what? We can, you, you can serve. And I've, I've taken some, some heat for that, for not allowing people who look saved enough to, to get involved. And I'll tell you a story. I'll tell you a quick story. I'll end on this. My, my story of, of, of being saved began this way. I had a talent of music, and there was a pastor who asked me to come and join and, and lead worship at his church. And I was like, why should I do it? I don't really even believe what you believe. And he said, well, you have a gift, and God gave you that gift, so come and get involved. And at first, I went there for a paycheck. But something happened in the three months' time. Something happened. I started to, I, I used to make fun of the songs, man. I mean, I, Bobby, I'd be like, shout to the Lord of the earth and I sing. Shine, Jesus, shine. Man, I, I didn't know Jesus was shiny. Maybe he doesn't like Vaseline. Stop singing about that, Christians. But somewhere along the way, my heart began to change. And I became a Christian because Christians did not look at my life where it was, but they looked at it, what it could become when Jesus would touch my heart. So if you ever wonder, wonder why is it that sometimes people who are not a part are still playing a part, it's because sometimes you have to feel like you belong before you can become. And if you want to argue with me, I'll just say you're not saved yet if you can't see that. Go back and be a greeter. <laughs> Let's get on mission. Let's cleanse the feet of the people of this city. Amen? We started from the bottom, but now we're here because he started from the top and touched us when we we're at the bottom. Amen? You get something out of God's word this morning.